morning, I'd like you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Galatians chapter 5. The book of Galatians in the New Testament chapter 5. And I've shared this before. If you do not have a Bible and you would like to receive a Bible, we have one for you. We will get it for you after the service. You can take it, take it home, begin reading it, bring it back next Sunday. But we want you to have a Bible. Turn to Galatians in that Bible. Turn to Galatians chapter 5. Now, for a number of weeks, we have studied what the Bible tells us about uh, going the distance. We've been looking at going the distance, that, that, that journey, and how going the distance uh, means that, uh, that how following Jesus Christ is not simply a one-time decision. It begins with a one-time decision. It begins with, a, it begins with a, the, the decision to follow Jesus Christ. It begins with a prayer, a, a heartfelt prayer that, that goes like this, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and forgive my sins. I recognize that you are God, that you died on the cross for me, that you rose from the dead for me, and that without you, I can do nothing. Without you, I'm, I'm lost, and so I give my life to you, and, and I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You know, a, a prayer much like that or a prayer with, with that kind of a surrender and that acknowledgement of, of who he is and what he's done, that begins an amazing journey. This morning in Connecting Point, a, a gathering that I lead, I heard the testimony of someone who did that many years ago, a young man, just quite young, in his teens, and he surrendered his life to Jesus in an amazing way. And it began a a remarkable journey. Well, that's so many of us here in this room. It is a one, it it begins with a decision, but it's not a one-time decision. It's a journey. This this going the distance is a journey. Following Jesus is a journey. It's an often difficult, often surprising, but always worth it journey. How going the distance means not just making it to heaven. For all of these weeks that we've been in this, I've been emphasizing that when we talk about going the distance, it doesn't simply mean that we, at the end of our lives, fall across the finish line and we get to heaven and, and that's, the, that's the, the, the goal, that is the ultimate goal. It, th- there's something more than that, and that is this side of heaven, it is our final goal, but this side of heaven, He desires to use us to affect change in other people as we are on this journey. It's been said that the fulfillment, the fulfillment of a goal is one thing, but it's the journey getting there that is even in many ways more fulfilling. This journey of following Jesus Christ is not, does not simply mean we get to heaven. It means that we influence other people for Christ along the way. So that at the end of our lives, we can look back and we can say, Lord, you used me. You used me in wonderful ways, in ways that were far beyond my own ability to see change, eternal change in other people. So in these weeks, we've seen what God gives us. We've seen some of the the, the giftings or the tools that God has given us to help us go the distance. We, we, we looked at the Bible and how, and, and I challenged persons, I challenged people how the, the difference that it makes if we engage God's Word at least four times throughout any given week. 
And, and I shared with you some of the statistics how, how a, a life is truly changed after we come to Christ and begin to spend time in His Word. I'll tell you what, folks, this, this book is incomparable. It alone is the Word of God. And I promise you, and many of you have done this, but I promise you that if you get in this Word and you allow this Word to get inside your heart and your mind, it will affect tremendous change in your life. You will hardly go through a day without at some point going back and saying, Lord, you spoke to me this morning or you spoke to me last night when I, when I engaged you in, in the Word. And I encourage you to do that. We also looked at prayer and the, the, the importance of prayer in going the distance to, to follow Jesus Christ with a passion and sustain that with communicating to Him, talking with Him, pouring ourselves out to Him. We looked at the importance of the gathering of believers or the church and how a church is not just a structure, a building, a, 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 a facility, a bricks and mortar, but rather the church is, is the people, right? It's not, it's not, the, it's not the, 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 the steeple with the building, but it's, it's the people inside. It's, it's the, the, the live, the people that we walk with throughout the week, wherever we are, to, to be serving with Jesus Christ. We talked about the importance of thanks or gratitude in the life of the believer and how, how that too is one of the important things that's going to sustain us and strengthen us as we grow. The power of his Holy Spirit. We talked about the power of his Holy Spirit and, and, and how, how that too affects change in our lives. He, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, how he, he moves in us and, and affects us and changes us. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need Him moving in us and stirring us and changing us. We need the power of His Holy Spirit. And so you, 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 you've heard that, and you can go back and you can hear all of these different messages throughout, the, uh, throughout this series, but, but I, I encourage you to, to continue to do these things and others. Some of you, in fact, I believe many of you, because you've come up to me in recent weeks, many of you are spiritually stronger now than you were just a few months ago because you, you've begun to use what God has given us. You're, you're spiritually stronger now. You're serving Jesus with a greater passion. Earlier this morning, we, we, we talked about uh, the, the passion, serving Christ with a passion. We sang that and, and how important that is to, to, to sustain us in, in our walk with Jesus Christ. Some of you are serving Christ now with a greater passion than you ever have because you've begun to do these things that God calls us to do in his word. So, the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians. Let me, let me give a little bit of background. That's all a little bit of review. Let me give you a little bit of background to this, uh, this book. The book of Galatians was originally a letter. It was a letter. It was written by the Apostle Paul, who was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write to Christians in a region called Galatia. Galatia is not a city like many of those uh, letters uh, that were written to, to, to people in a city. It was a region, and, and, and Paul, directed by the Holy Spirit, writes this letter to these people in Galatia. His purpose in writing was to correct uh, some, of the, uh, some of the problems that had come up in the church in Galatia. There were some false teachings that were beginning to make their way in, and, 
And quite simply, we would put it this way, there were some Christians, some Christians in the church in the region of Galatia who were failing to go the distance. There were some Christian people who had professed faith in Jesus Christ who were being misdirected or misguided, were, were being marginalized in their faith. At the beginning of his letter, Paul wrote this. He said, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. And I want you to see a couple of words there. You see it on the screen. You see the word deserting and you see the word turning. Paul said, and now he's writing to Christians, but he said, and I paraphrase, he said, some of you have deserted the one who called you. Some of you have, are turning away from the truth of the gospel. This was very bothersome to him. It was grievous to him because he, he saw these people who had at one time been passionate for Christ, but now ha have, become, uh, have become sidetracked in their faith. And he addresses this. So we know that people deserted Christ back then, and people walk away from Jesus Christ today. Here's the thing. With everything in me, I don't want you to be that person. I don't want you, if you've, if you've begun to follow Jesus, if, if he's begun to do a work in you, and, and you get a little bit way, a ways down the journey, and you begin to, to follow him, and you realize now that, that following Jesus Christ is a little bit more difficult than I thought. That, that, that there's going to be some pushback, that the enemy of our souls does not want to give any ground, and he begins to push back. I don't want any person here, any person within the sound of my voice, I don't want any person here to desert Jesus Christ or to turn away from him. This is why we're, we're, we're looking at this, because he desires to do something far greater. He desires to do something far greater on this journey. Now, towards the end of this letter, towards the end of this letter, they were given, and we are given, a, a God-inspired set of directions. Galatians chapter 5, beginning with verse 16, reads this way. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Let me read that again. Verse 16, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, in, in very simple terms, Paul tells us, essentially here in this verse, that we can follow God's way or we can follow our own way. And really, serving Jesus Christ can can be explained in those terms. We either follow God's plan for our lives, God's purposes for our lives, or we can follow our own way and our own purposes. We can walk by the Spirit, which is His way, or we can gratify the flesh, which is our way. Now, in verse 17, um, Paul further describes how those two ways are opposed to each other. Verse 17 and following reads this way. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict. I want you to see that word. They're in conflict with each other. So that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. He talks about this conflict. This conflict, this, this juxtaposition, this 
these two forces opposing each other. We have the, 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 the desire to follow the direction of the Lord, walk by the Spirit, but we also have the power of the flesh. Now, you don't need to raise your hands on this, but have you ever experienced that conflict? Have you ever been in those places where you know that this is what God would have you do, but your flesh says, I don't want to do that? In fact, your, your flesh, the, the fallen nature, the, 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 the part of us that, is, that really wants to please self, we want to do our own thing. Boy, that conflict is so real. Sometimes it's so real, it's so strong. I know that God wants me to do this. I see it in his word. He wants me to do this, but I want to do this. That conflict. Verse 19 and following gives some of the details how our way is often lived out. Verse 19 says this, the acts of the flesh are obvious, or the actions of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Now, that's, that's quite an extensive list. And it, and it really covers a, 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 a bit of a broad spectrum in regards to sin. That's what these are. They're categories. They're not necessarily specifics. And underneath each one of those statements, each one of those sins would be, or one of those categories would be a number of different kinds of sins. And we're not going to go through all of that, but it's interesting to look at this list here. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, these are generally in regards to sexual things, and you could put a lot of different things under that in regards to sleeping with someone, having sex with someone outside of marriage, or, or, or pornography, or homosexuality. Uh, any number of, of sexual sins, uh, lust that, that, would, that would, would, would be a, an action of the flesh. It's, it, we want to do this. You, you see this beyond here. It talks about idolatry and witchcraft. It's interesting that these two are mentioned because uh, in, in conjunction with each other, idolatry would be generally the worship of false gods. Witchcraft would be the worship of darkness. And yet these two are really so interchangeable almost because they're, they're both worshiping something or someone other than the Lord Jesus Christ. He says these are, these are the things that our, our, our flesh is drawn to. Goes on, talks about hatred, these, these, these sins that refer to our interaction with other people, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, and envy. These are, these are things that, that have to do with the conflict that we have with other people. The hatred is directed towards a person. Discord with other people. Jealousy, fits of rage. Again, these are all so much connected with uh, interpersonal relationships. And then he talks about drunkenness and orgies and the like. And, and, and the like would be kind of like etc. I mean, there, there's all kinds of things here. He says, these are the things that our flesh is drawn to that we do naturally. And then it says this, but notice there at the very beginning of that text, of that verse, up in verse 19, it says that these actions are obvious. I want you to see that word. That's an important word. It means that these actions or these acts will be seen by other people. 
particularly the people who are closest to us. These things, Paul writes, these things are obvious. It means that they will be evident in a person. They will mark how we are following either our own way or or God's way. These actions will be evident. You know, if, if you're talking with someone and you've experienced this, you, you meet someone new and you begin talking with them, in, in, in a matter of a relatively short period of time, you're going to know really a lot of things about them by what they say. Our words reveal our heart. Jesus said that. It's out of, it's out of the fullness of our heart that our mouth speaks. Whatever we say is indicative of what's in our heart. If you talk with a person and one of the first things that they say is something that is what we would refer to as off-color or something vulgar, uh, uh, that that reveals something, it it becomes obvious. If a person begins talking about their most recent sexual conquest, then obviously that that is a person who who their, their flesh is is, is, is winning. They're following that, that flesh. If a person is, you say something and they become very angry, not necessarily at you, but at, at something because of something that you say and, and they flare up, well, that, that, it, it becomes very, very obvious. When, when you look at, at what they spend their time on or what they spend their money upon, it, it becomes very obvious. What is, it that we, what is it that we spend our time on or our money upon? What is it that reveals what's in our heart? A couple of weeks ago, I was in uh, Rapid City, a town that I grew up in. I've not lived there for decades, better part of 40 years. It's been a long time since I've lived there. And, and uh, I was... Uh, I was uh, in a business, and I, I pulled out uh, and got in line to take a left at a stop line, a stoplight, rather, and I, I pulled off, and I, I didn't cut off anyone. In fact, it was probably another 10 or 15 seconds before another car came up behind me. It was a two-lane turning lane, and, and I was parked here. There were several cars behind me. There was, in the right lane, the lane next to me, there were several cars, and a car pulled up beside me. There was still space for one or two cars ahead of, of that person, but they came up and stopped right beside me. I'm waiting there, waiting for the light to turn. And the person, it was a woman, rolled down, a very nice vehicle, rolled down her, her, her uh, window and uh, gave me her middle finger. <laughs> and I, I thought, well, well, that's interesting. Um, I... I don't, I don't that don't get that very often, and um, and I, at first I thought, well, w- was that somebody that I know? Um, uh, but I'm in a different town. I I don't know who this is. I don't know why would they they do that, and and then and then I thought, well, uh, then it's it's it, it wasn't that I cut them off because I just pulled out of this parking and I was in my lane. Everything was was right there, but but I. Um, I got thinking. Well, do they hate Hondas? I mean, is it, do they hate Hondas? And, and then, it, and then it dawned on me. Um, uh, I have a bumper sticker. I have a bumper sticker on my right 
back rear bumper and and it was it was for a candidate who has been who's been elected and is in office but I left the bumper sticker I left the bumper sticker on there because somebody hit me right in that spot and it really covers up that crack real nicely on my bumper Uh, how many know it's cheaper to do a bumper sticker than bumper repair so I just left it on there and uh, she didn't like that and so she took the time to and I, I, why do I share that? It's, I don't share it to be cathartic. I don't, I don't need that because it didn't. But I, I thought there's something in that candidate or maybe what that candidate represents or something that, that obviously disturbs this person so much that she will stop in traffic and, <laughs> and give me her middle finger. And I've, I've been working on this message and, and so forth, but I thought, boy, that, that's an interesting a fit of rage. Or maybe that's hatred. And my point is this, it became obvious. Right? These things become obvious. Maybe you're having a discussion with someone and, and, and you say something and all of a sudden they go from perfectly placid calm to almost red-faced rage because of something that you say or do. Or, or, or maybe something happens, or maybe you're, you're there and you encounter them and, and you don't know what happened to them, but, but they're so full of something, you bump them just a little bit and out comes the rage. It becomes obvious. You see, our, our lives have a way of showing um, what's inside of us, our actions. It says here the, the acts or the actions of the flesh are, are obvious. And so often we show that we're directed and, and pulled so strongly by the flesh. And then Paul, in the middle of verse 21, laid this on them. He said, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. That is an extremely strong statement. That is a powerful statement. It's a disturbing statement. Paul is essentially saying this. Now remember, he's writing to Christians He's writing to Christians in this region called Galatia, and, and, and they're people who have who've become, who've become uh, distracted in their walk with the Lord. And, he, and he's telling them, he's imploring with them, he said, if these are the things that are marking your life, if they're the identifying characteristics of your life, he, he gives them a warning. He said, I warn you as I did before. In other words, he'd done this before. I warn you that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. You you may be tempted to say, well, pastor, you're being very judgmental up there and saying that these persons, well, I didn't say it, the Holy Spirit is saying it, and, and that a person whose life is marked by these things is in danger of not inheriting the kingdom of God. And that's heavy, and that's hard. But so often we go soft on these things and we look at, we look at some of the things on that list, we, we look at some of them and we go, you know, it's just really not that bad. No, you know, we, we look and we go, well, witchcraft, obviously, yeah, that's bad. Oh, that'll, that'll endanger your eternal life, of course. Or orgies or drunkenness or, you know, sexual immorality. Of, yeah, I, I get that. But, but how about some of these other things? How about envy or jealousy? How about discord? These are serious things. And Paul says if you're doing these things, the Holy Spirit through Paul is saying if you're doing these things, if you're displaying these things, it reveals what's in your heart and you are in danger of not inheriting the kingdom of God. And that means not just, not simply heaven, but all that goes with it. 
all of the other things, the ways in which we can influence it because we're so directed and empowered by the flesh. Now here's the thing, I still haven't gotten to the best part because Paul did not stop there. Oh, thank God he didn't stop there. It's a good thing he didn't stop because verse 22 and following is the best part. It reads this way, but the fruit, but, transition, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, forbearance, that's a fancy word for patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. He's saying these are the things that will mark the person who is walking by the Spirit. If you are, if you are walking according to the flesh, this is what's going to be obvious in your life. But if you're walking according to the Spirit of God, if you're walking in His plan, then these things are going to mark your life. These are what's going to show up these are the things that are going to show up in your life. You look at these. I mean, love. And by the way, this is that agape kind of love. It's that selfless love. It's loving in spite of what comes back to me. I'll tell you, a person who's transformed by Jesus Christ, who's really walking in the Spirit, that person, you're going to see love all over them. You're going to see that, that joy and that peace and that patience in the midst of some of the most difficult and trying times. I'll tell you, uh, you talk about a privileged man. You are looking at a blessed and privileged man. And I'm privileged to walk through many of your journeys with you. And I tell you, time and again, I'm not going to start listing names or examples, but so many times in my, my uh, time that I've been walking journey with so many of you, I have seen you under the most difficult and trying times trust God. And I look at you and I go, thank God. God bless them. They're walking by the Spirit. I've seen some of you in hospital rooms with your hands raised in praise. I have seen some of you standing over an open grave where you're burying a loved one, tears streaming down your face and saying, I trust God. It's obvious. It's obvious in so many people's lives that I've been privileged to walk the journey with. These are the fruit or the result or the markers of persons who, follow, who are following God's way rather than our own way. These people who, in the midst of storms, trust God. The fruit. A number of, if you've been with us for a while, I think it was probably six or seven years ago now, we drilled down on each one of these fruit of the Spirit. For about 10 weeks, we had, uh, we had different, uh, different fruit. Remember that? Remember those different fruit that we had? Man, we passed out a lot of fruit during that time. Each week was a different fruit, and we talked about that. These things are to be apparent, obvious in our lives as we serve Jesus Christ. And then verse 24 reads this way. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified, or they've died, they've put it to death. They've crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let me say that again, that last phrase, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That's Again, there's that journey imagery, that keep in step, walking with the Spirit. We're on this journey, but we're being led by Him rather than led by self. Now, let me be very clear on something. As I was preparing this, I thought, I need, I need to make sure that you understand 
what is being said here. We are not saved and we don't obtain eternal life by avoiding the first set of actions or by doing the second set of actions. Salvation is not going to happen by, by us um, you know, saying, all right, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell uh, dirty stories anymore or, or filthy jokes. Uh, I'm not going to view certain things anymore. Salvation does not come by not doing certain things. And salvation does not come by us doing better things. That's not how salvation comes. We are saved, we are deeply transformed through the person of Jesus Christ. He saves us, he meets us wherever we are. By the way, if you're walking according to the flesh, you don't need to get cleaned up before you get cleaned up. Let me explain that. You don't need to get yourself better before you come to Jesus. You come to Jesus and he will help you become better. It's his power. I, I, don't, I don't hose off, in, if, I'm, if I've been working in the yard, working under a car or something, I don't hose off in the backyard and then get into the shower. I just get into the shower. So many times people think, I've got to get right before I get right with God. No, you can't get right. It's not within your ability. You come to him and he'll make you better. The change, it starts here, and then it works its way out. When we surrender our life to him, we die to our way and we begin following his way. He changes the desires of our heart. When we die to him, when we surrender ourselves to him, he begins to change us and our, our actions are changed. I've shared this I think, example a long time ago. I never knew my grandfather, my paternal grandfather. He died when I was um, just a few months old. But I, I, I met I met the man, um, I was on staff at a church where a man retired and, and he came up to me and he said, are you Harry Wildman's, are you related to Harry Wildman? I said, well, he was my grandfather, I never knew him. He died when I was just very, very young. He, says, he said, I never saw a man, he, he, he was there right after my grandfather came to Christ. He said, I never saw a man so transformed by the power of God. He said, he was filthy, he had the most filthy mouth. He, the, the man was vile. He said he was violent and he was crude and he was vile, but he said Jesus got a hold of that man and he, he, he became a different, I'll tell you what, God changed him. I go, wow, that's really cool. I, I didn't know that about my grandfather. That's just one example, how God changes a person's life and they begin following God's plan rather than their own plan. There's an obvious change. So we still have this conflict, though. Remember, Paul's writing to Christians in Galatia. And, and some of these people, people who had expressed faith in Christ, people who had perhaps given their lives to Christ, now were still being pulled away by the flesh, right? These, these two warring entities. The power of God, God's plan, walking by the Spirit or walking according to the flesh. So what do we do? What are we to do when, when that conflict is so real and so strong? Well, a few verses later, in fact, you can turn to the right, just one chapter. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 tells us this. It's a powerful, powerful statement. And they go together. A man reaps what he sows. Let me just pause there for a moment. We understand sowing and reaping. Many, many here are involved in agriculture. 
or you're maybe one generation or two generations removed from it, we certainly understand that when you plant something, then, then what, what, what's going to come up is, is a, a produce of that something, right? We understand that we plant corn, we're going to get corn. We, what, whatever we plant, we're going to, we trust, get a harvest. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to the to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. It's brief. Let me read it again. Whoever sows to please their flesh will from the flesh reap destruction. If we sow to the flesh, I'll tell you what, it's just a matter of time and we're going to reap from, we're going to reap that. It's destruction. This is not just, oh, I was a bad person or oh, I'm, I'm going to be displeasing to someone or I'm going to be, let someone down. Do you understand that if we keep sowing to our flesh, then we will reap destruction? That's real. Some of you perhaps right now are, are giving into the flesh in some, some area. I'm not, every one of us has sinned, and, and I, got, I got some news for you. We will continue to sin. But if we stay in that unrepentant sin, I'll tell you what, the end of that is destruction. That's very real. But it reads on from there. But whoever sows to please the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Eternal life. If we follow our way, we'll be destroyed. If we follow His way, we will live together with Him forever and we will affect change in a lot of people in the meantime. If we keep planting spiritual things, we're going to reap an eternal harvest. If we keep planting eternal things, you're going to reap an eternal harvest. Let me say that again. If you keep planting spiritual things, you are going to reap an eternal harvest harvest immersing yourself in god's word Uh, one of the hardest things for me i'm a pastor one of the hardest things for me to do every day is to spend time in god's word because i've got a long to do list like many of you but i know that if i don't get in god's word i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna run out of steam halfway through the day I need to spend time in God's Word. I need Him to speak to me. I need Him to correct me. I need the power of His Word in my life. And I know this, that if I keep immersing myself in this Word, then, then I know that, that He is going to, he's going to reap an eternal reward in me. I know that if I keep seeking Him in prayer, and say, Lord, I, I don't understand why this, but I, I keep coming back, and I don't see the answer. But I know that if I keep running to him, if we keep running to him, then we will, we will receive an eternal reward. Body of believers. Boy, there are, there are too many people, I'm going to say it again, there are too many people who just, who, who, who disregard the body of Christ. It's just a place that I go to for a short time on Sunday, but don't ask me to do anything beyond that. Don't ask me to share life or walk life with anyone else. You're missing out. You're missing out. Because I tell you what, when you gather together and you commit into fellowship with other believers, you're going to grow and you're going to reap an eternal reward. I promise you. Being filled with and powered by His Holy Spirit if we keep seeking him and saying, Lord, I want everything that you have for me, fill me, baptize me in the power of your Holy Spirit. I need you. God, do an amazing work in me. Do something that I could never do. I tell you, you keep praying that and he will do it and you will see your life transformed, but you will also see other lives transformed. 
See, I want you to go the distance. I really want you to go the distance. More importantly, God wants you to go the distance. He has a place reserved, he has a place reserved in heaven for you. Just a few days ago, I uh, did a funeral for one of the older members of our congregation. Actually, he moved away about five years ago, but Bob Hopper passed away and had his funeral just on Friday, I think it was. And uh, boy, I'll tell you what, here's a man who, who, I don't know if he had much here materially, and I don't really care. I'll tell you what, he got eternal life. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. But, but he went the distance. He, he served Jesus until, until that last moment when that last breath and then the next breath was in heaven. I, I want you to go the distance. Now you say, well, I, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard, but I want you to go the distance because I, I, want, I want you to go to heaven. But I also want you to go, to, so go the distance, but I also want you, I want you to make a difference in other people's lives in the meantime. Just last week, you saw some people, younger people, really, relatively younger people who were, who were sharing some of, 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 of the, the ways in which God is using them because they took a next step. Glory to God. They're not in heaven yet, and I hope it's a long time unless Jesus returns, but I hope it's a long time until they, they die, until they go to heaven. In the meantime, affect a lot of change. I don't know when God's going to take any one of us home, but I know this. While I still got breath in me, I want to make a change in other people's lives. I want you to go the distance. I want to go the distance. I want to go the distance. I want that to be the cry of your heart, Lord, I want to go the distance. I don't want to stop. I don't want to be distracted. I don't want to quit. I'm tempted. Sometimes it's so difficult. I want to give in to that thing, whatever that thing might be. It's so strong at times because you keep feeding that. But I'll tell you what, if you feed the Spirit, He's going to overcome and, and it's, it, you're going to make it. You're going to go the distance. Go the distance. Go the distance. This morning we're, we're out of time and I want to pray and there's a lot of other things happening throughout this day, but we've come to a very, very important time, and that is, Lord Jesus, do a work in me. I'd like you to bow your heads, please. I'm going to ask our music, musicians if they'll step forward at this time, but we want to, we want to, we want to internalize this. You, you've heard, you've listened, you, the, I believe the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you and, and stirring you, but I, I, want us to, uh, I want us to really just internalize this. This morning, in just a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to close in prayer. And, and as always, these altars are going to be open, and you can certainly come. But I'm going to close in prayer, and, and I'm, I want to pray over you, and I want you to pray with me that, that God will make this very real in our lives. I, I, I promise you that in the hours and in the days ahead, your flesh will, will uh, raise up and try to gain preeminence and it's in that moment that we say Lord Jesus it's you it's you in my life and I need more of you so we're going we're gonna to pray this and we're going to sing it when we're done praying by the way you can go ahead and stand would you please across this congregation when we're done praying you can consider yourselves dismissed but you can also come up here around these altars or you can turn where you are and kneel down and pray or sit down and pray. But uh, I believe that God wants to do something in these closing moments. All right? So before the worship team begins to sing, let's just pray. Lord, I thank you for the power of your word. 
thank you for the power of Galatians chapters 5 and 6. You spoke to a gathering of believers long ago, and you speak to us. Lord, my simple prayer is this, that we will be people whose lives are marked, whose lives have been transformed by the power of God through salvation. But also, Lord, our lives will be marked by the fruit of the Spirit rather than the deeds of the flesh. When people see us, Lord, may they, may they look at us and say, that's a follower of Jesus Christ. That is my prayer. And Lord, help us to go the distance. Help us to go the distance. We don't want to be distracted. We don't want to be, we don't want to fail. We want to go the distance. So Lord, as we make our way out of this place, or as we go to a place of prayer, I ask that you will help us. May your blessing be upon us as we leave this place in the moments or the hours ahead. We give ourselves to you, Lord. Help us to be your people. Help us to go the distance in your strength. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you this morning.